Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There's a little delay. There it goes. Please hang up and try again. a cold one, pull up a chair, it's radio time, it's Thursday, you're listening to Kayak Fishing Radio, I'm Chip Gibson, the tree hugger, and wow, we've got some interesting stuff, we've got uh, the man, the voice, the incredible, I think we'll do, it's not really a Cavassier night, there it is, Mr. Becker, sitting in yeah, the hall, I cast, definitely, <laughs> I cast it's definitely a hopping thing to do, so uh, I got my cool on, you know, just, uh, right. Just jam it. Awesome. Okay. Oh wait. I, I hit the wrong button there. Doggone it. Anything worth doing is worth overdoing. It's worth overdoing. That's right. That's right. And then, and, and our newest uh, member and representative at ICAST for Kayak Fishing Radio is. Uh, I mean, I got to find some music there for you, Sean. Maybe some some Navy stuff or something like that. I'm not sure. I could play She Only Loves Me When She's Drinking, but that's kind of Woody's song there. So, well, why, but, uh, you know, YMCA in the Navy would be a good option, I think. <laughs> we could do In the Navy, there you go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Evening, everyone. Evening. There's Sean Wagner. And, uh, Sean, you've made it back home, and, um, Greg, you're still over there in Orlando, right? That is correct. Yeah. Yep. Made it home about uh, forty minutes ago. Wow. Okay. And then I think we have Mr. Trucks joining us in. Is that you? Yes, Matt? sir. Chip. Good evening. All right. We'll do a little whip back there for Matt. How's it going, buddy? All right. I just got some change of my oil. I'm not a mechanic. I know something's wrong when two quarts come out and six go in. You have to put the plug in before you fill it up, man. <laughs> oh, that. Oh. Yeah. Huh. No, oh, when you first emptied it out, only two came out. Yeah, well, you have to check that yeah. every now and then. Yeah. Uh, that's never it's happened kind before. Of a, Weird. Yeah. How old is I the I figured car? it out when I took the oil filter off. There was an extra gasket there. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That'll do it. Yeah, that'll take care of it there, man. Well, anyway, so, yeah. Matt, um, 
We've got uh, Greg and Sean. Greg is still over. Uh, ICAST finishes up tomorrow, right, or is today the last day? 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon is when it's officially done. Okay, so Greg is still there. Sean has returned, and uh, we've got some uh, we've got some live audio and or not live, but we've got some audio that we'll be showing we'll be listening to next week. But tonight, I just kind of wanted to get Greg and Sean to talk about the event and what's what what it's like. I mean, I think both of you it's your first time, right, Greg? Your first time to ICAST. Long time listener, first time caller. That's right. Yeah, and Sean is. Uh, first time down representing yeah and that's kind of a key thing that sean you brought up about uh icast go ahead and sean jump in there and talk about what what you saw your first time at icast and i can i can sum up icast in in two words amazing and overwhelming uh-huh. um, it, it, the orange county convention center just jam-packed you know probably a couple hundred yards of just exhibits, booths, vendors, I mean, from all over the industry, whether it's apparel, rods, reels, you know, the kayak vendors, tackle folks, uh, you know, gear, you name it, they're all in there. Kind of looks like your garage, right? I mean, (laughs) or at least what all of us would like our garages to look like. What we'd like it to look like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hang on a sec. Hey, Matt, I, Matt, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, yeah, you got a lot of background noise, man. I had to mute you, sorry. But you're live now, oh. so you can handle your own mute button if you gets loud. Yeah, no problem. All right, Sean, go right back. Now, right? Sean or Greg, what's your – you got two words or you want to do the six-word thing, man? I can, I can, I can do two words. Uh, freaking ginormous. <laughs> are my two words. Yeah. yeah. You know, I understand that the outdoor retailer might be might be a lot big, bigger physically, but um, you know, Sean's work for right on the money. There is just so much there. Um, admittedly, for the past two days, I've been busy, but I did start at the 100 aisle, and today, finally, just made my way to the 2700 aisle. Uh, made it all the way through those, looking at the exhibits, and I've still got you know, there's it goes up into the third three thousand. I've still got aisles I want to check out tomorrow, and that doesn't go count a lot of going back and talking to people and stuff like that. But um, it's amazing yeah. how many different manufacturers there are of the same stuff in different aspects of angling. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, definitely companies never even heard of gear. I mean, just you know, especially when it comes to some of the tackle, you walk by and it's like, wow, how many soft plastic guys are out there? How many people make crankbaits. I mean, how many variations on a crankbait can you make? Um, it, it's, it is pretty amazing. Okay, so the, so the first myth that we bust is that it's not all made in the same factory and just they just put different labels on it when it comes out to your okay. local tackle shop. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. And, okay, so um, let you guys continue on here, but what was kind of the strangest thing you saw at the fishing thing? I mean, I, I was at a I was at a electrical engineering conference, uh, actually Southern Legislative Conference, a couple of years back, and I don't know how they got it, but they must have paid top dollar for it. But right on the 100 hall, right at the entrance, was the American Nudist Association 
uh, booth. And that was just kind of like, wow, right here at the Southern Legislative Conference. But give us what, so Greg, go first, man. What's the weirdest thing you saw out there on the fishing market? And I just have to say, I think that, that booth would have been a lot stranger if it was in Minnesota, you know. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it, it would have been a whole different, whole different yeah, yeah, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> um, I, strangest? I, I don't know about strangest. I think probably the most unexpected thing I saw, you know, I saw a combination of waiting staff and net, which, I, you know, I can kind of see for fly fishermen. Um, I saw a couple other, you know, a couple other things. The rocket rod guys were there, which was okay. Um, one thing I did not see until late this afternoon um, was a, a booth that had a banner that I think it was uh, catch it, club it, clean it. Catch it, club it, clean it. Catch it, club it, clean it. And the product they were selling was a combination fishing billy and fillet knife. The, the, the sheath for the fillet knife was actually a fishing club, a fishing billy. To, to whack fish on the head with. And w- while you got them there, you might as well clean them. Uh, it's a combination, you know, it's probably like the first person that did, you know, you got your peanut butter and my chocolate thing. Uh, it's right. a ob- combination that probably wasn't really obvious to the casual observer, but I guess may have some application. I wish they had a patch. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. How about you, Sean? Man, what, what was your most unexpected or unusual sighting at ICAST this year? Wow, um, I don't know that I was fully prepared for that question, but sorry, man, um, that's no curveball. That's that's it, man. It was a curveball. Um, I, I guess not really unexpected if you think about it. But the one thing I guess I really wasn't. So I guess to kind of back up, I mean, ICAST is not, you know, an open to the public show, right? It is a trade show, open to the trade, open to people in the industry, right? So it's it's vendors, everybody coming out, media is there, buyers are there, right? So whether it's big box stores, small, you know, local stores, they're coming out to buy, and the show mm-hmm. is there to cater to them. But I guess the one thing, it makes sense, but it wasn't kind of expected for me anyway, was there was a lot of booths, and you can tell it's like simple, plain white sign, Chinese name, kind of Americanized, that are making products that they're trying to sell to the vendors in there. So they weren't selling to the retailer per se, but you can tell they were more focused on how do I sell my swivel, my gidget for your lure, you know, or, or you know, hey, let us make your product. You know, look, right. we can look. Here's an exact copy of your crankbait that we can do for you. You know, <laughs> so they were there, and I thought some of that was a little, a uh, little blatant. You walk by some of the booths and you look at the stuff, and you're like, didn't I just see that over there in this other booth? And you know, it's yeah. a much bigger name, and yeah. So I think that was probably the most kind of surprising to me, but not really surprising, I guess. Well, you know, it is it is business. It is ec- economics, and if you can get it made for pennies on the dollar, it, it does give you more markup. But, so interesting, interesting. So nothing really too bizarre, but uh, – and, and, and for those folks that might be listening on the podcast or – We've got a guest in the chat room. You can log in with any kind of social media there. But um, what about um, as far as uh, the 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 fishing? And you know, is it is it all? It's all sport fishing. But what did you think as far as your um, 
the, the degree of kayak fishing versus offshore versus freshwater? I mean, was there dividing lines there? I mean, could you see that or? Um, so for me, the I mean, obviously we had quite a few of the big kayak manufacturers here, right? So all all the big ones, save Jackson, were all there on display. Um, that was expected, you know, showing off the new kayaks, the new stuff. The rod reel tackle guys, um, I even tried talking with several of the rod and reel folks, you know, particularly the rod guys to see if they would start, you know, if they were interested in producing a rod for the kayak community, you know, something that's still a six, six, seven foot rod, a little bit shorter, but, you know, still balanced well. You know, we don't need 16 inches of, you know, handle on the backside of a, of a rod for the kayak. Um, you know, and a couple of them just, not really interested. They they didn't know how to quantify their their market for the kayaking side. A couple of others have said we're beginning to recognize it, but we're just not at a point where we can meet the production numbers to justify making a run. But if the numbers are there, we're certainly happy to you know produce a rod just for you guys. Um, it, so it was hard from a rod reel tackle perspective to see that there was some line that said, yeah, this is for kayak anglers. Now, the gear guys, the folks who are making gears, accessories, you know, tackle management, uh, fishing accessories, quite a few of them were beginning to perk up and make stuff that, you know, was just for kayak anglers or they're beginning to identify, you know, our community as a new market for them. Even big companies like Frog Togs, you know, they make rain gear. They've been making rain gear for motorcycles and outdoors for a long time. But now they're coming up with some stuff that's very compressible, that is high visibility material, and they're hoping that the kayak community will pick it up so that if it's out there raining, you're in a low visibility situation, you throw your rain gear on, it's bright, it's got some reflective strips on it that, you know, so they're beginning to identify the community as a potential market for them. Cool. How about you, Greg? What's your perspective on the impact of kayak fishing to the ICAST or to the sport fishing industry? Uh, I, I agree with Sean's assessment. Um, I think there are a few manufacturers out there uh, who have who have started, uh, you know, looking and making kayak specific rods. But, you know, aside from like the, what you would consider the high end of the custom rod manufacturers, like Bull Bay or Hurricane, or or those uh, manufacturers. Um, Ohiro Fishing has had their Carbonado series out for a couple of years now. Uh, I know we reviewed it on, uh, on yakazo.com when they first came out. Um, and they, they continue to recognize the, the value and are actually looking at another, adding another rod to the series. So that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, but I agree that a lot of the other manufacturers haven't recognized that yet. Um, mm. I was actually surprised at, proportionally speaking, how much I saw that was directly related to kayaking. I wasn't. Ex- I was expecting a lot more sport fishing stuff. You know, obviously the bass fishing industry is gigantic, and every you know everywhere you turned there was a tournament shirt, and you know there were so many of the you know if you followed the any of the bass fishing tours at all you know all the names that you talked to were there. As a matter of fact, I was talking to somebody in an alleyway, and Hank Parker walked over to me because he saw my shirt and he said, "Duh." What's a yak angler? 
So that was kind of cool to talk to talk to Hank Parker about the about kayak fishing for for a couple of minutes before he had to move on. But um, I was surprised that not only all the major guys were there, but as John said, how much of the gear the gear guys uh, were there as well. Um, there were several manufacturers we talked to, uh, either informally or during some of the interview stuff today, who said that it's their opinion as industry insiders. Um, and as manufacturers and, re- and distributors, they're seeing now how fast uh, kayak fishing is actually growing, and they're concerned that they're behind the curve. They're concerned that they didn't recognize it two years ago to be ready to be where they should have been this year to really be able to take advantage of the rate, not only the rate of growth, but the rate of increase in growth in the industry, you know, with the price of uh, gas and the economy and the cost of uh, boats proper, if you will. Um, One guy I was talking to today said, you know, everybody, as a matter of fact, was one of the guys from Unfair Lure said, I mean, everybody who wants to fish but realizes that they can't afford a boat can now afford a boat, but they're paddling it instead of, you know, putting gas in it. Uh, And it's exploding across the industry. So I think the industry is is recognizing not only the growth, but they're recognizing that if they don't hurry up, they're going to be behind it. And I think that's a good thing for us because I think that will drive a lot of innovation and I think it will drive a lot of competitiveness in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of pricing uh, for us as, as the industry moves forward. So it's a good thing. Well, I think a couple cool. of other aspects that's kind of playing into this as well from the kayaking side is that, you know, I had a chance to, you know, talk to somebody from a, you know, a large, you know, media website that, predominantly caters to the bass bass fishing community, you know, that typical tournament, big bass fishing. They get millions of views. Um, You know, the gentleman lives up in Minnesota, and he's like, man, I've got hundreds of lakes up here, you know, but only like 40-something percent of them can I access with my boat. The other ones nobody gets out to because there's not a boat ramp. There's no place for me to launch a boat. He goes, I'd love to go fish them. But the only way you're going to get there is to take a canoe or a kayak or, you know, a smaller boat like that and get out there on it. Um, so I think there's, you know, I definitely think there's, you know, interest coming uh, and will continue to grow. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's good news. It is really good news for the industry. It's good news for kayakers because uh, I think more, I mean, I, you know, as far as economics is concerned, it's better when you have more people in the market and more people in production, you know, uh, supply and demand type thing. Hey, Matt, if you got something you want to ask or ideas, man, chime in, dude. No problem. Well, I, I kind of like how, how we're talking about, you know, like lack of boat ramps and that kind of stuff, and Hobie unveils a seven-foot boat with two, with two seats on it. Because <laughs> yeah, I think you need a trailer for that thing. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, so yeah, let's let's go ahead and 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 talk about the Hobie PA17. I mean, that was that was unveiled, and that is uh, what it looked like. It was a, it was huge, right? But I, I know that Sean, yeah, I'm, I'm Sean and I were talking, and I did at the beginning of the hour. <laughs> Freaking ginormous, right? <laughs> Freaking ginormous. Yep. <laughs> but now now Sean was actually talking to Drew Mixon, and I know Drew, and he's a cool guy. And but Sean, give us that perspective that Drew was giving you on that boat. Yeah, you know, and I don't want to I don't want to tip too much because you know we got I got you know one of the things right, I went yeah, around yeah, yeah, is yeah, I sure. got great interviews with all the all the kayak manufacturers, including Hobie, and I got one of the Hobie guys from 
you know, the factory to talk about all the technical aspects. But, you know, Drew Mixon was there, and we were, we were hanging out talking about it, and, and it was just kind of an interesting conversation. I'm like, Drew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to capture this. So we went back and recorded the whole thing, and we'll play the whole conversation later. But, you know, I, I, I have a counter-argument to it, but he did bring up that there are going to be some interesting niche markets for this, right? So, you know, the, the father-son, father-daughter that want to, you know, their sons are a little, daughters a little bit older, you know, they can still get up there and paddle. I'm like, all right, well, maybe a few, but it's still an expensive boat. But the other one that was kind of interesting is maybe some of the fishing guides, you know, the people who, who run guide and charter service on kayaks. You know, you can pop that front seat off and put a guy up front that, you know, the guide in the back can, you know, pull the boat in, paddle the boat in, whatever, not paddle, but pedal the thing in, you know. Um, it, it does have a big mount in the front for a big trolling motor, Um you know, you could operate the thing, take it in, and have your guy fishing up front. You know, bring it in, put it on fish, and have the guy fishing ready to go. Um, open it up, make it, you know, more accessible to, you know, the fly, you know, fly guys. But my argument to that is I don't know a lot of kayak guides who are going to want to spend over $5,000 on the kayak to run as their, you know, maybe a few, but we'll have to see. Maybe. Yeah, we'll have to see, and that and and I think that's that's good lead in, and and like I said, we will uh, we will play the the audio from the interview. Got a little bit of work to do in the uh, in the editing room on that, but yeah, it, it it's interesting, you know. And like I said, I take everything from a perspective of okay, you know, <laughs> I mean, if if you want to give that a shot, I mean, but now and and you you said that Jackson was not present at the at iCast Jackson's not there oh that's correct they were not there Matt any insight on that I know Matt Matt's a pro staffer for Jackson but um the crew was there but they were not exhibiting they were just there oh, in the okay. company um, oh, okay but they're they're actually going to unveil their Kraken at the uh, outdoor re- outdoor retailer show next month okay all right so outdoor retailer it is and and you know I guess from uh, from the perspective of what can you afford? You know, can you afford to take all that stuff and move it out there and all that kind of stuff? Because uh, I know from you, know, you get into ICAST and you start looking at what they're paying for booths, it's a little pricey. It's so, expensive. yeah, it it's is. Expensive. Yeah. So, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. So, what else do we got? What else? What else do we got to uh, to look forward to? Can I can I draw something in there, Chip? Yeah, go ahead, man. And I'll, I'll start with the disclaimer that I am a member of the Hobie. Uh, I've done it twice today, the Native Kayaks Pro Staff. But there you go. Um, while while one of the it's probably the largest uh, kayak manufacturer out there introduced the largest pedal power, you know, human pedal propulsion kayak, uh, the other guys out there with pedal power introduced the smallest one. Uh, while while Hobie went up, Native went down and introduced the Slayer Propel Ten. That's uh, that's 10 feet long, a lot lighter than the Slayer Propel 13, a um, little bit wider for about the same capacity. But uh, it's, it's, for no other reason, it's just interesting to note that while one company went in one direction, another company went in exactly the opposite direction, and they are both, they've both invested a ton of money and both firmly believe that the move they made was the right one. So it just shows you how much room there still is in this industry to move, even with something as, as big as what you would consider the highest end and the most expensive boats in the industry. 
Right. Yeah, and down a middle path between the two price points, right, so the new Slayer Propel 10, you know, a smaller boat, you know, going, like you said, the, the smaller direction, which is needed, Hobie going bigger, you know, and then Old Town comes out with the Predator XL, which is electric. So it's kind of exactly. a third tangent, um, you know, based on, you know, the Predator 13 platform. It's a little bit wider, um, nice, stable boat, and, and I got to spend a lot of time looking at all the kayaks and, they did a very nice job on the XL. What did you guys think of the uh, Viking Kayak debut? Um, I think, unfortunately, where they were at, it wasn't getting a lot of exposure. And I think, you know, I think it's a great product by looking at it. Uh, but where it was at, I don't think it got a lot of exposure. And I think a lot of people looked at it and said it's another sit on top with a molded seat. When the yeah, industry is going to lawn chairs, here's another entry molded seat, you know, sit on top. But I'll, right. I'll pause in there that we had the opportunity to talk to Bill Bragman at length, and I don't think the, the video um, isn't up yet, but it will be shortly on and Yak Angler for the, for the interview that we did. But one of the things he points out was that this kind of really brings some innovation from New Zealand uh, and innovations in fishing and thinking about kayak fishing that the U.S. market really hasn't seen yet. And some of those have value and really are only viable on the platform that they're, that they're built in, So, at least in the, in the incarnation they're in. So I don't want to say too much more than that and, and you know, blow up the interview. But right. um, I agree their placement wasn't as great as it could have been, but I think um, you know, listen, there are still a lot of people out there selling sit-on-top kayaks with molded feet. And I think there will be, and I think there there's going to be that price point uh, price point question. That, right. Uh, as we talked last and week, it's uh, going to be an upgrade path. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, to be to be objective here, I mean, there was I think there's two different questions. There was a question that that Chip asked me, which was, what was the hype and, and the feeling around the debut of it there, and versus how do I think it's really going to do in the market? I absolutely yeah. agree. There's a lot of molded sea kayaks. You know, great price point, quality product that's going to be out there, and it's going to be major sellers. But from a hype standpoint, I think between placement and just, you know, impact, you know, it wasn't anything new and radical that was easy to look at and say, hey, this is different. This is, this is unique. Look, this thing's 27 and a half yards long. This one's got an electric motor. This is... You know, there wasn't anything that made it pop out and say, this one's different. And I think the other thing that maybe hurt it, um, in my opinion, and it's not really hurt it, but maybe kept it from getting more attention, was there was a couple of, uh, like Ram and a couple of others, even GoPro, um, that had kayaks in their booths, you know, showing off their product. Um, It was kind of cool. GoPro had a huge kind of pavilion set up in there and a big old Jackson big rig all decked out with a micro power pole and GoPros all over it, you know, sitting in there. But, right. you know, when you walk by a couple of booths and there's just a kayak showing off, and, of course, Yakir had all their product on top of it. So I think some people may have looked at it and said they're using it to show off and demonstrate the product. Mm, that's an interesting point, yeah. And that was Matt who brought that up, too, about the Vikings. And, and I had talked to Bill about Vikings, and, and I understand some of the concept there that Greg was saying about there are some things about those boats that, that uh, we haven't seen. Kind of like when they brought in the, 
the fishing boats from South Africa and stuff. There's some interesting things about them that, that we haven't seen yet here in the U.S. But unfortunately, you know, location, 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 and you're, you're a good perspective on the thing if you're, if you're looking at boats that are set up for accessories and then, you know, and Yak Gear is uh, in the market with a lot of accessories and they're just bringing the Viking kayaks on. So it'll be interesting to see. And I, I think that from a price point standpoint for people who are just starting to get into the market and hopefully we'll start, we'll talk about this later on uh, in other, another show, but a good discussion point is, you know, what's the difference between that boat you see at the big box store and, you know, and, and what, you know, if you want to take it up a step and start doing fishing. Now people fish out of every kind of boat there is. I mean, I've seen folks fishing out of whitewater kayaks and stuff like that, but, uh, if you're looking for a stable platform, it's a different story when you start to talk about hull. Um, what about um, yeah. what about hey, anything? Can I, go, can I go back to one one quick thing? Yeah, go ahead. Time? Yeah, sure. Because you just brought up something that that I I I need to get Sean's input on. Sean, you know we talked about the the big innovative kayak manufacturers were all over the place, but I've walked almost the whole show, and I don't remember seeing any of the manufacturers that are making most of the kayaks that you'll see in Dick's or the other big box retailers, those very entry-level, very basic boats. Uh, I, don't, I didn't see Pelican. I didn't see any of those other guys that I would think would be out there looking to sell to those, those types of retailers who are out there. I don't know if it's a different distribution chain and they'll be at OR, uh, an outdoor retailer, but it just occurred to me when Chip said that that I didn't see any of them there at all. No. Um, yeah, none of them. Uh, you know, obviously some of them are made by others, right? So, right. you know, I think a couple of the companies that were there have other, the private labeled versions that they make for some of the big boxes, and they didn't have those out. But, uh, no, you're right. Um, none of the other ones were out there. And even that, some of the ones who were there had some of their newer, bigger kayaks there, um, you know, even you know, native. Everything, I think, was either an Ultimate or a Slayer sitting there. You know, where was, you know, native's other boats? Old Town uh, Ocean Kayak, they had a, a Trident there, but they didn't have any other smaller ones. They had a lot of big games and a lot of Predators. Um, you know, so the smaller standard kayak wasn't wasn't really present there. Uh, so, so if you're if you're thinking on the lines that ICAST is a place that, as a retailer, so I'm 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 Chip Gibson. I own a, a little shop, a little outdoor shop in uh, here in South Georgia, and I want to go to ICAST and see what I can find. I hear this kayak fishing stuff is interesting, so I go there, and all I see are these big, you know, uh, four-digit number kayaks. So interesting. Well, actually, you know what? Uh, I, I need to I need to give an exception to that because the one company who was there that did have a, you know, a good distribution of their product line was Wilderness. You know, uh-huh. they had Tarpon Rides, the new Thresher, you know, uh, Commander. You know, so they had they had pretty good representation of their entire product line there. Cool. Very cool. Huh. How about um, let's go into like accessories and like I said we will we will have some audio from uh, Sean and uh, up on uh, next show but uh, 
What about, uh, without taking away too much thunder, how about accessories as far as, like, electronics? You know, did you see anything new and interesting coming out for electronics? And I know, Greg, you're, you know, going to hold back and not steal any thunder from a Yak Angler interview or thing like that, but just a hint of something interesting. Um, I'll throw this out without, without getting, you know, too far into, into details with it. You know, the typical Ramarine, you know, Lawrence, um, Hummingbird, we're all there. A lot of their product was the bigger ones that you're going to find on the bigger boats and even some of the massive, you know, GPS maps and stuff were there. They all had some of the smaller ones on display. Um, what, you know, Greg and I had a chance to talk about this a little bit at the show, we found interesting as kind of a follow-up from something I think was on last week's show or the week before, with some of these portable little sonar systems that you can either attach to your, your kayak or attach to a fishing line and throw out there. Um, you know, Greg, I'm going to ask you for help on the name of the third company, but a company with kind of called iBobber was there, Fish Hunter, and then there was a third one. What was the name of that, Greg? Deeper. Deeper. Okay. Yeah, so Deeper and those. So those are the three big ones, and they were all there, and they all have kind of the same product with slightly different takes and you know I know between us we had a chance to get in and talk to a couple of them and um, I know two of them I did interviews with and we've got some good details and I even got some some pictures and stuff so as we, we continue to edit we'll have all that stuff ready to go next week cool Greg your take Ren anything interesting on the line yeah I think that uh, you know the 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 downsizing and uh, going to a more minimalistic approach for, for you know, bottom viewing and, and uh, you know, fish finding, if you will, uh, was really interesting, especially for, you know, folks who are looking at that trend who don't want to go through batteries and wires and switches and lions and tigers and bears to get, get viewing of the bottom of their boat um, or even depth, you know, if it's deeper than your paddle. Uh, so that's right. interesting. And, and Marshawn's looking at those other two on going to be looking at deeper and then we're going to compare notes and try to come up with between the two of us a really good uh, you know ABC chart of, of who's doing what and what the what the features and functions and, and those kinds of things are so I think that'll that'll work out really well uh, cool. yeah and the price point seem to be between like a hundred and three hundred dollars depending on the product and option if you will um, so it's you know they're not expensive you know they're not like some of these five six hundred dollar units so Right. right. And I think the other, the other electronic thing that I think that, you know, we're obviously seeing a huge amount and a continual increase uh, is in the GoPro uh, arena, but the other camera manufacturers, not and not only um, cameras recording above water action, but I think I saw, I know I saw at least five different manufacturers of different types of underwater cameras. Um, either ones on the end of the pole or ones you can attach to your line or ones that, you know, drag behind you or uh, on a a downrigger or... uh, So there's a whole lot more application to underwater viewing. Yeah, there was even one, like, ROV manufacturer there that had that huge tank set up with with the, you know, ROV down in it and broadcasting video from the inside and they're moving it around and swimming it and... I just kept thinking to myself, I'm like, where would you put that on a kayak? That would be kind of <laughs> yeah. cool to play with. 
Well, the, the new Hobie uh, PA17, I'm sure, would uh, be an excellent operating platform for it. But um, you had a, there you go. Maybe that, you got get the get an old Mariner, you know, with that that launch deck yeah, right, there. Yep. Behind it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, put a little color pad on it. Um, so I think the the video integration um, options continue to increase. There were a couple of manufacturers of um, or one manufacturer at least of what I would consider a a more entry level um, video system. Um, one manufacturer that has you know a, a little bear, mama bear, papa bear kind of setup with huh. uh, integrating this technology with different features, different functions, and different price points. So I think those uh, those are kind of interesting, and I think as we see those come to the market or, or get more exposure in the market, uh, I think it'll open up. Uh, video a little bit more to listen. Everybody can buy a GoPro in Walmart now, right? And I think that that speaks volumes of what that technology is doing in our everyday lives and how it how it's working. But there's a lot more stuff that's applicable. And of course, every every mount manufacturer has more different ways to mount a camera than you can shake a stick at. So they're obviously recognizing media as well. Yeah, yeah and they all have slightly different takes on cases and mounts and you know durability and. You know, video quality, but you're right. There was there's a lot of camera camera folks there. And, and I finally got a mount that the camera doesn't shake all around all the time anymore. Oh, it took yeah. forever. <laughs> and none of the none of the mounting systems are interchangeable, right? They all have different si- different types of mounting devices. So if you decide that you want to go with something different, you got to change everything out on your boat, right? Um. I, I think one of the things that I, I saw was the universality of track mounting. Uh, um, yeah. I, I was talking with uh, the one manufacturer that I had uh, a conversation with about the sonar, and he was his, his mount was a rail mount, uh, mounting to a you know a, a circular rail like you'd find on a, a boat. Right. Um, and we had a conversation about you know really that what how are you going to mount the track? And when he said what the what's a track? I knew I had a conversation uh, point. And I right. offered him I offered to watch his booth and I told him walk around to every kayak manufacturer in this building and for every kayak you find without a track or a track mount option, I'll give you twenty bucks. <laughs> um, so so I think I think the track concept, you know, while Scotty is Scotty and Railblazer is Railblazer and some of the you know, Atwood is Atwood and they look similar but they don't match up, I think the one thing everybody is looking at is the universality of the track mount. Uh, and that's that's kind of becoming the de facto standard of ways to stick things on your boat if you don't want to, you know, if you want to be able to move stuff around. And the manufacturers right. are certainly recognizing that because they're all building it into the boats now instead of, you know, while Yak Attack and uh, Yak Gear and a couple other companies have add-on track mounts, uh, you know, aftermarket stuff. Everybody now is putting tracks on their boats. Right. Interesting. Um, one other thing as far as electronics go, I mean. Any anything new in the way of VHF radio? I mean, and I know that's not going to be very specific for for kayak, other than you know floats and waterproof and all that kind of stuff. But I know Greg, you probably if you saw something, it might have caught your eye. Sean, radio. I mean, that's something that I know that I always carry. But uh, yep, I know Lawrence has come out with an update to their 
uh, floating integrated GPS and VHF unit. Um, there at the uh, the version two, if you will, um, right. includes uh, digital uh, select calling for distress calls, automated position reporting for the Coast Guard. You know, if you flip the safety lever and push the red button, it tells the Coast Guard where you are. Automatically switches to a distress channel for you to right. talk to the Coast Guard and send your stuff out. They come up with the updated version of that. Um, I didn't see uh, any of the other, you know, Raymarine. They haven't really done anything in the handheld market, uh, anything really significant uh, uh -huh. in the past couple of years. And none of the other manufacturers I saw, um, I didn't get a real good look at the Garmin booth. That's on my list for tomorrow, which I, I don't know if you did, but I, I would be surprised if they were doing anything along that line. No, Garmin was pretty much entirely just their, their marine electronics, you know, the, the depth finders and stuff, which it's interesting because... For bigger boats and for sailing, I've I've used a lot of Garmin electronics over the years, and and if you look at the big three, kind of on our our side, it's usually, you know, Lawrence Hummingbird and Ray Marine, and you look at the features functionality of something from Garmin, it's usually pretty lacking, you know, comparison, same price point, and it just seems like Garmin hasn't really paid too much attention to the smaller electronics, and I think that's changing. So I think while there's not much from a radio perspective, I think you're going to see, at least from what I saw, more, you know, equivalent, small, compact functionality compared to, you know, a Hummingbird or, you know, Lawrence unit uh, from coming out from, from Garmin. Right. What about, uh, like, position reporting stuff? I know that you're a spot user. Uh, see anything like that? Or? Yeah, I don't even think spot was there. Um, I didn't really? see them. I didn't see them either. Yeah, um, and I didn't see anything else. You know, ACR and and those companies. I I didn't I didn't see them out there at all. And maybe this isn't their maybe more a traditional boating show is for them. Um, but no, I didn't um, I didn't see any of them represented out there. Huh. Interesting. Because I I've, I've I've got a couple of spots on order now, so because I'm going to put a couple of mounts in my motorcycle and boats to be interchanging them out. I think position reporting is kind of an interesting thing. After that one point we did on the on the show there with the spot thing that you had, and I think it's uh, it might be something. You, know, you get so many people out there in kayaks, especially when we do like the adventure uh, fishing tournaments and and things like that. People get going offshore in kayaks. Might be interesting. It might be some something there, you know, as far as knowing where the boat is and stuff, in case you get in trouble. So, well, you know, and I'm so I'm so I'm, it would surprise me if Adventure Fishing World doesn't do this soon. So here in Florida, we have what they call the Everglades Challenge. It's a 300-mile kayak. Nothing to do with kayak fishing, but it's a 300-mile kayak race that also opens up to small sailboats and some other things, different classes now, but it started off as just a paddling event, basically from the Tampa or Tarpon Springs area down to Key Largo. It's about 300 miles and takes, you know, some guys are finishing it in just shy of four days paddling this right. whole thing. Um, a spot is required. You will not leave day one checkpoint, not even launch from the beach if you do not have, you know, a spot on your kayak. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and that's, that's part like... of their thing is you can go to their website, they bring in all the feeds, and you can see where all of the competitors are at. Right. 
So, but what if you, you didn't just see uh, brought a can of paint with you and painted a spot on the side of your kayak. Ah ha 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 ha! Oh, very cool. What about uh, how about paddle manufacturers? That's probably going to be more outdoor retailer, though. I think. Yeah, I think the only person who really had anything unique there in paddles, well, was Wilderness. Uh, that I saw at least uh, to this point that they had. Uh, I don't know if you talked to them, uh, Sean, or I don't want to steal anything you're doing, but I know they had a couple of innovation paddle, or innovative paddles and designs out with, uh, with some of their stuff. But again, aside from that, didn't see any of them there. No, no, just uh, just you know the folks from from you know Confluence, you know Wildy, um Adventure Tech paddles. But yeah, I actually did a, one of my interviews while I was over there was going through the new Air Pro Max seating on the ride. Uh, we went through uh-huh. the pressure, and then they talked about. Um, you know uh, the new the new paddles and the new specific kayak angler paddles that they've got. So yeah, that'll be one of the uh, one of the interviews we have. Cool, cool. And you saw like how many different kinds of soft baits and hard baits and all of that kind of stuff. Did you get a good count? One bazillion. One bazillion. <laughs> is is there is there Greg, is there a color selector that works for all the colors that are out there? I mean, do we have? Uh, you're gonna have to have a bigger dial, right? Yeah. yeah, and I think there are now no, you know, so many, um, so many color combinations. I mean, Chip, there there were guys there, there were manufacturers set up with walls. You know, you had a wall that was eight feet high by twelve feet long, with hard baits. You know, in, in rows six inches apart, there's space a half an inch between them, and it was covered. covered. Wow. And they were different colors and different color combinations and different sizes and everything else, but uh, that would, uh, it, it, that's one of the things that I just kind of boggled with. Like I said, how many, how many different hard baits are there and how many different ways can you twist it? With that said, <laughs> uh, you know, some of our friends do continue to come out with some pretty innovative stuff that, uh, I had a good time talking with Paul Van Rienen from Unfair Lures, and uh, he's got some very interesting stuff, not only in the pipeline, but that's, that's hitting the market now, that some pretty pretty radical design changes on stuff that we've used every day and never gone, hmm. Does he, does he have something that you can throw at a cobia that's following a manatee coming out of a power plant uh, outflow that, that'll, that they'll hit every time? He doesn't, but there's another company that does. <laughs> and I and I saw it today, and uh, I said, "Oh my goodness, that is <laughs> that's yeah, a guarantee to bite." Right? Does. Uh, it is. I would jump into the water to bite it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I gotta I, I gotta tell you one of the funniest things that I saw is you know some of the smaller booths are a little more aggressive, right? So when you walk by the big brand tackle company, huge display, huge booth. You really kind of have to even go in and hunt somebody down to really get information. Other ones, you know, they're out there. Some of the smaller ones, they're you can tell it's like they're very aggressive and they just like, hey, where do you fish? I'm like, all right, well, I live in South Florida. I do a lot of mixture between you know fresh water and, and shore fishing. Oh, have you seen our our new baits? And she hands me like these samples of 
this blob-looking thing and a couple of paddle tails that are kind of soft and gooey. And if you've ever seen those, like, water balls they sell, like you can put in, like, your, your plant vase that you put yeah. the balls in, they soak up water, and you stick the plants in there, and they just slowly... They're creating soft plastics baits like that, that they, they have a scent. You throw the plastics in the scent, and they absorb all of that. That's kind of a cool concept. But she hands me this blob, and she goes, well, here, take this as a sample. You can try it. And I look at it, and I had to look at it hard. I'm like, what is it? You know? <laughs> and she's like, well, it's salmon egg. It's one of our most popular ones. And I'm like, don't have a lot of salmon fishing in South Florida. <laughs> You're like, how, do I, how do I put a hook in this? <laughs> but I've got it, and I, I got to tell you, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it and see what hits it. <laughs> Wouldn't you be surprised if? Yeah. All right. I always thought everything ate salmon eggs. <laughs> I, I, dough balls, crickets, and salmon eggs. Now we've got. <laughs> exactly. There we go. All right. Even well, uh, guys, corn on the cob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little. Get you a can of corn, man. Put the little kernel on the little bitty hook and throw it out there. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys had fun. And Greg, you're still there, so we are live at iCast right now. Um, and you'll you'll have some more stuff. And Sean will be working on editing up some audio for us for next week. So if you're listening on the podcast, make sure that uh, you tune in to next week's show if you can live. Uh, if you've got questions about something that the guys might have seen. Uh, then, and you don't see it at yakangler.com uh, in the way of print or a video or you don't hear it here on Kayakfish Radio, just go to our uh, Facebook page and uh, post up a question. Uh, what, uh, what do you want to know about ICAST? What, what, can we, uh, what can we help out? Maybe next year we, we've got questions ready to go. But uh, very, very interesting stuff. Hope you guys had fun down there. Yeah, definitely. And before I go, I, want, I just want to just give one shout-out. Um, uh-huh. For anybody who was involved in the, either at the AFWC this year or last year or who has watched any of the video uh, that was done for the AFWC, you know the man's work, but you probably don't know his name. Um, I've had the pleasure of uh, working for the last two days and rooming with uh, Kramer Diddy, who was a videographer for the AFWC, uh, did a lot of the editing work, and has been doing yeoman's work uh, lugging probably 130 pounds of camera equipment around the hall for the last two days to get more than just your standard, um, you know, talking head shots on products and information and the information that's being presented, really to bring it to folks in a way that's uh, not only attractive but informational. So he has really done a tremendous job and continues to do a tremendous job. Um, My hotel room has been turned into a video editing suite for the last two days. There's, There's... you know, monitors and jog shuttles everywhere, but um, he's really done a great job, so I just wanted to give a shout-out to him. And anybody who looks at a lot of the video that's showing up on yakangler.com, the vast, vast majority of that has run through his hands, uh, both from the shot to the, to the post-production work. So uh, hats off to Kramer for a job well done. Very cool. And uh, I want to also bring up that uh, I was contacted by uh, Miss Amanda Lees, and her and her boyfriend, Tim Ritter, they're organizing a spoil island cleanup in Dunedin, Florida on uh, the 19th. That's a Saturday, I think. And uh, they're organizing it with online fishermen. So if you're interested in helping out with that, 
give them a call. Onlinefisherman.com in the forums there and fishing events. It's uh, the Spoil Island cleanup in Dunedin, Florida. So I wasn't able to get a hold of uh, either Amanda or or Tim, and I just want to give them a shout-out and make sure that folks knew about the event. Uh, We get a little bit uh, busy here, and we don't always are able to connect with people, but we like to put out events when we can. So, Matt, how about you, man? Any events coming up? Did you catch any fish last week? What's going on? We're going to go around the table here, and we'll call it a night. Yeah, we had a, a really good how event last weekend. Um, caught a lot of fish. It was excellent. And um, we're just going through the numbers today. Last year, at our after our fifth event, we had taken out 69 veterans. This year, at our fifth event, we have taken out 142. So that, that's a huge milestone. Well done. Nice. Um, 142 yeah, total, or you had 142 at the event? Yeah, right. That's 142 be, uh, between five events this year. Okay. Cool. I'm like, wow, man, my hat's Last off. Year 142. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not 142 vets at one event, but that's five combined for this year. We're just, uh, yeah, crushing the numbers from this year and last year. So cool. Significant pros- uh, progress this year. Nice. But um, yeah, good, good, uh, great fishing day. All the vets caught fish. Um, and it was an excellent day. Uh, plans this weekend. I'm gonna get out tomorrow. Um, for some flounder, right after work, I'm going out. A couple guys, couple, we're actually taking a couple veterans out with us tomorrow too. So Very that cool. should be cool. And then hopefully Sunday, cool. we'll hope the weather, uh, hope the weather sticks because Saturday I got a family event. So all right, so that, that, that's what I got planned. All right, Matt, Sean, how about you, man? How's the uh, how's the new how chapter doing down there in your in your area? Um, actually, uh, we doing great. So we did our first official event this past weekend, this last Saturday down here. We had um, three vets that we brought out, which was perfect because we didn't want to, we were hoping to not have more than three because we just kind of wanted to do that whole crawl, walk, run thing. We had three, came out, had a great time. Um, other than 10 minutes of downpour, we had beautiful weather, a lot of fish caught, some small peacocks and, you know, uh, large over a five-pound bass, and even got a nice, um, nice hybrid out of it. Um, Gene and Tony, Tony got a nice hybrid out of the lake there. So three vets, uh, some more volunteers, and uh, our staff. It was uh, it was a great first event. So lots to do, lots to do better. But um, our vets had a great time, and that's what was important to us. Awesome, and that's. You can find out information on your local chapter or the chapters down in South Florida or up in New Jersey or in Texas or wherever. Just go to heroesonthewater.org and uh, look under the chapters list. You can find the nearest chapter to you. Very good. How about a Mr. Yes. Becker? Well, my uh, my first wild fishing partner is still out of town, so as soon as he's uh, back in town and we'll get his uh, brand-new kayaks lined up, uh, uh-huh. Probably going to uh, give this uh, one more weekend of uh, of rest to get my back back in shape. So I, you know, until I get the uh, get the uh, medical imaging done to see what's going on with that, and make sure I don't make it any worse before I can make it better. So uh-huh. I, uh, I may uh, actually take a ride Sunday though. I'm actually thinking about uh, not kayak fishing, but taking a ride over to the Gulf Coast. Uh, you know, with a with a spinning rod and some big lures, and take a walk along the beach. There are some ginormous. Once again, that word. Uh, snook being caught uh, still off the beaches over there. So even if I can't get out to the tarpon, I could still uh, 
you know, sit on the beach and possibly uh, play with a couple of big girls over there. All right. Sounds like fun. Unfortunately, I'm in, not doing uh, kayaking this weekend. We've got a shoot coming up. Uh, Clone and I shot last weekend. This is just the season right now. It's kind of nice because it's too hot really here in central Georgia to be out on the water. There's some places on the Chattahoochee that you can find some shade, but uh, we uh, we shot uh, silver medal in uh, the uh, parent-child event, so the clone totally wow. carried me <laughs> in the Georgia State game. So we'll be uh, headed to Nebraska next year for the uh, for the national. So we qualified for that. So that oh, was great. a lot of fun. Yeah. So. Well <laughs> It, he can shoot. He can outshoot me with a shotgun, though. But uh, put one of those little birds on a stick, and I could probably hit it at a thousand yards, no problem, uh, as long as it's not moving. All right. Well, <laughs> any last minutes? Any oh by the ways? Anybody? Sean, Greg. Uh, I got the New Jersey Flu Tournament coming up next Saturday, July okay. 26th. If you want to register, um, go to NewJerseyKayakFishing.com. Or on Facebook, the link for the tickets are there. That's facebook.com slash njfluke. Okay. Anybody else? No, I'm good. All right, then. Well, until next time. Guys, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, we're here Monday nights, Thursday nights. I know for sure. I'm not too sure what's going on on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, but I'm looking into it. And uh, we'll hopefully be providing you something new here uh, before the end of the year. So. Uh, thanks yeah, for joining we'll us. Some of the, yeah, I was gonna say hopefully we'll have some of the uh, the audio interviews up and loaded so that you know Chuck might be able to use them uh, for Monday night. So stay tuned. Absolutely. So stay tuned, and we'll see you next time. This is Kayak Fishing Radio. I'm Chip Gibson. Take a kid fishing, and uh, tight lines off. Good night.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.